Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hi, it's episode 160. Today's April 2nd, one day after April 1st, 2020, and uh, this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. Across the quarantined internet from me is Mr. Blake Arnsdorf. The throttled internet. The throttled quarantine. The the place in space that is not this place. Yeah, it's definitely not that place. But our own little space. Yes. And it's good to be in the podcast seat again for another week of, for, uh, you know, sipping quarantinis. It's good. S- sipping quarantinis. I got my quarantini right here. Uh, we got some uh, great news stories for you this week, and we're tackling, um, you know, so, you know the, the usual. If you've been around, you know what to expect, uh, except uh, we made a decision last week to make the shows a little shorter. So, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Blake, but we can get into this in the banter. Uh, anyway, let, let's just do a quick preview of our stories here. We got Blackboard Ally integrating Beeline Reader to improve accessibility to digital learning context for or content for all students. And we have, uh, this one's a fun title, but we'll break it all down later. Machine translation of cortical activity to text with an encoder-decoder framework. What does that mean? Well, stay tuned. It's really cool. That's what it means. Uh, but first day, we got some programming notes. Um, thank you to all of our new patrons. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, we would like to hear from you on how Human Factors Minute is going. Do you like it? We love it. Uh, that's it's the a- best. It is the best. Um, we just actually recorded another batch, so we're we're good for uh, a while longer too. So that that stuff will just keep coming, and it's a uh, it's it's feels really good to actually like produce something that uh, you know on on a regular basis because um, because that that human factors infinite was very hit or miss for us. Uh, anyway, and this is highly it, researched versus us just you know bantering yeah. back and forth for an hour and a half. That is absolutely true, and I think that's one of the most fun things is that this is a highly researched. It's very tightly produced, so every second of this um, of these minutes that we put out are are uh, intentional in their delivery, and uh, we're very proud of them. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Blake, I, I'm curious. <laughs> What's been going on in your world? Because we talked a little bit beforehand, and it seems like you've got some gripes. Yeah, I got a few gripes. So Nick and I have gone back and forth a thousand times about like how to play games with each other. So we thought that Stadia would be a really good choice, um, especially since it was something brand new that Google had come out with. The concept for anybody who maybe hasn't heard or hasn't listened to the podcast is that basically you could with a controller or a any screen across your house that you could connect to the internet and you had like a Google Chrome, what do you call it? Uh, Chromecast. You'd Chromecast, be, yeah. Yeah, you'd be able to access games through the internet at like really high speeds without like the crazy download times of updating patches, stuff like that. So Nick and I had been trying to figure out like really what's going to be a good game that we could, you know, both jump in and play on. And last week we talked a little bit about Doom. So I decided that Friday I'd dive in, try kind of getting my Stadia stuff set up. And man, I swear that, and I like to pride myself that I am happy knowing how to use technology. I like problem solving, (laughs) but I had such a hard time getting all of the things set up that you needed to get going for Stadia. So I guess the the ecosystem of having to make sure that you have like different applications downloaded on your phone, like including Google Home and Stadia, so that you can get, you know, your Chromecast set up and then trying to get the Chromecast 
the applications and then the controllers to all get on the same network and connect with each other just took it took at least an hour hour and a half um, before I could even get in and play like the brand new doom so this was something I actually want to talk to you about on the podcast Nick like when you put when you went through the process of setting everything up did you find any difficulty at all or were you just like whizzing through it like it was no big deal uh, well, I don't know. It's a difficult question because I'm I uh, I was following it very carefully and I kind of knew what to expect going in. I also already have I'm invested in the Google ecosystem. I have the home. I have the nest. I have, um, you know, several Chromecasts. Uh, and so it wasn't uh, I, I don't think it was something unexpected for me. However, I, I am curious, though, from from your perspective, you're not built into that ecosystem. So uh, yeah, what Blake's talking about is there's multiple apps that you need to download. You need to download the Google Home app and you need to download the Stadia app. The Home app is to set up the actual devices, uh, be it the Chromecast in this case. Um, and then you have the Stadia app, which launches the games, but it also you set up your controller through it, right? So it's it's not all the devices aren't handled in one. It's not like you set up your, your controller in the Home, which is for devices, but the controllers through stadia which is for games it's a little confusing um and so that's interesting that you say that i i personally haven't had any problems now i will say uh or or i will ask you rather once you got it set up is it easier to use now like have you figured out that you just like press a button on your phone and launch it and it's there or is it still like a pain uh, it, yeah, so once everything got like hammered out, because the biggest thing was the connectivity uh, or getting the controller connected to the Chromecast. That just seemed to have a real problem with like, even even though like they've come up with a really slick UI that allows you to, you know, enter in a code through your controller and it should be connecting across the network to your Chromecast. Like I was just having mad issues between those two things. But now once it's kind of sorted itself out, you're right. You open up the application, pick the game you want to play plus play on your phone and as long as you're connected with the chromecast up on your tv you're good to go um i don't know about you but i did experience a few connectivity issues now i know i don't have like the greatest networker of internet in my house uh, but there was some kind of like drops and getting kind of started on day one but i i didn't know if that had anything to do with doom being a brand new game that they had just released and it was actually released early for stadia um or whatever it may be, and then there was like more, more kind of like internal game mechanic problems, just like matchmaking was really slow and all that kind of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But after the setup, I have to say that everything worked pretty well. Um, definitely exceeded my expectations because I mean, there's there's literally no download time, which was nuts. Um, no, just go. Yeah. yeah. Now that's definitely like in reflection. I realized that now the time I was so frustrated, I didn't even think about it, which was kind of nice that you were able to get into the game as fast as you could at that point. Right. Uh, and you really haven't had this yet. Uh, I don't think, did you buy the game and then set everything up and then play it? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the most interesting thing to me is when you buy a game and everything's set up and you just hit the button on your controller and you go and it's, it's ready and it's there. Uh, yeah. That thing is that's wild to me. Um, and, and I will say, like, I don't know, I think we're in this weird point now where everyone's using the Internet for everything. And so, sure, yeah, like that could have something. Are you hardwired in? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually just on Wi-Fi. So like that was probably pushing it anyway. Yeah, that, that probably has something to do with it. Are you on a 4K TV? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's probably. Yeah. So if you're doing 4K 60 frames uh on wi-fi that's a little taxing but i mean you know i think uh it's interesting to hear your um your your take on it 
Um, if we can, we'll post links to everything that we're talking about here down below to, uh, just in case anyone's curious, uh, what, what exactly we're talking about. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I also have some gaming stuff, gaming related stuff that's been, uh, that, that relates to human factors. Um, so like for me, uh, I've been, I don't know, as a, as a new dad, um, my son just turned six months today. Um, he, uh, he's very needy as babies are. And so for me, uh, I have um, kind of invested myself into the Nintendo ecosystem. <laughs> uh, so I recently, so like I mentioned last week, I picked up uh, the Nintendo 2DS XL, um, which is an older product. It's it's a couple years old at this point. Um, but I'm going through and playing a back catalog of games on it. And the thing that's, that's uh, most fascinating to me, if you're familiar with the 2DS um, or the, the Nintendo DS. The DS stands for dual screen. Uh, so this device actually has two dual screens on it. The, um, the, the interesting thing to me is that I got a model that actually flips closed so that when you flip it closed, uh, it, it saves your... Um, doesn't save your game, but it kind of puts it in a suspended state. And uh, I know a lot of tech, I know a lot of game consoles have this technology, but as a handheld, a portable thing that I'm carrying around the house... Uh, you know, I'm just kind of sitting babies in his jumper uh, and then he starts crying. Oh, I fold this down and I don't have to worry about my progress. It just it it's so convenient as like a parent to just, uh, you know, close this thing up and get to parenting, um, you know, and then when baby's content, you can just pull it back out, fold it open and it's right there where you left off. Um, and I find that's true not only for the 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 new old product that I bought, the Nintendo 2DS XL. Uh, but also the Nintendo Switch, um, you know, that that one is the same thing, too. You know, it's it's like you're playing on the TV, uh, and I was very critical of the Switch when it first came out, uh, but you're playing on the TV, but I get it now, right? And then baby's crying, or baby wants to watch Sesame Street on TV or something, you know, so you take it out of its dock, and you're still playing. Baby's happy, you're happy, everyone's happy, uh, except for mom who doesn't have a TV uh, and just has her phone. So... Um, I don't know. I I found this kind. I like. I get it. I get it now. I I finally get it. Yeah, and it makes <laughs> sense too, right? Like, cause that that kind of like uh, capability. One when you were talking about with the older model, the DS, where you can just like slap it closed, get to whatever else you got to be doing, and then resume. But also the same thing of being able to like walk away, unconnect something from the TV, and it's not like you don't lose any kind of data or state or any of that kind of stuff is pretty sweet as well. Now to jump jump back to stadia for two seconds isn't that something that they kind of purport that they can do that basically if you stop your game or whatever or if you're like in the middle of something it saves your state like across the internets yes and no so the technology is there the implementation is not so what happens is they will they will hold your game there for 15 minutes uh and that's like if you shut it down on your chromecast you can pick it up on your computer on your phone whatever um and it will pick up exactly where you left off. Same thing. Um, it's actually just running in the background, right? If you were to leave it, you know, it's not. It doesn't pause or anything. It's not like the Nintendo Switch or the Nintendo, uh, the DS, right? It it actually just keeps running in the background. So if like you're in an environment with a lot of enemies, you might want to pause first before you, you know, because you're close gonna it. die. Uh, yeah, you're gonna die. You're gonna have a hard time. Uh, and so what happens is you you can um, pause it. 
close it down on whatever device you're on and then open it up on like your browser or something like that. So you go from Chromecast to browser, it will open up as long as it's within that 15 minute window. Now, Google does have technology that allows for save states. And a lot of people have been asking for uh, sort of the, um, hey, when I close it down, I want you to create a save state. So that way, when I go to boot up, it's exactly where I left off. And I don't have to like navigate through window or through uh, menus or anything. It's just right there uh, because it's possible. So they haven't implemented that yet. Well, it's just taking so that, it one step further, right, than everything else. Right. Like, now you're buying a game without having to buy it or download it. Now, just every time I open it, put me back where I, exactly where I was. Because I could see that being right. valuable for people who like to play, like, uh, campaign stuff or story modes yeah. of games. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, for me, there's just a couple things missing from Stadia to make it my platform of choice right now, like a library. And um, uh, mainly the library... <laughs> Uh, but uh, but also kind of the infrastructure, you know, it's not available to the public yet uh, as a free version. Uh, once it launches, it will be free. Right now, it's only the the paid kind of entry level of you buy the Chromecast, you buy the controller, you're in. Uh, but eventually, it will be free, right? And I think once it becomes free, it will be widely accessible by anyone. And so that's when you'll start to see the game start becoming more populated. And right now, it's like if you, like you said, matchmaking is kind of sparse. I think that's probably because not a whole lot of people bought the game on Stadia. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're working with a limited pool there, you know? Well, yeah, because there's like, it's basically almost like a religion, the type of platform that you play on, especially for some of these more popular for games. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's uh, it's a little tough. But I've been playing all the Nintendo games, so th- they don't have those on any other platform, so I'm safe for now. That's very true. Yeah, there's nothing you can do there. If only they had... God, I can't remember what the name of this cooking game is that I've played recently with a couple of friends. If they had that on Stadia, I feel like I would always be on Stadia. Or I'd be trying to absorb pins into my head. Um, but nonetheless, anything else been going on in your world? Um, Yeah, I thought I wanted to... Ma- oh, yeah. Uh, podcasts. Podcasts? I, I was the podcast guy for a very long time. I was commuting three hours a day, um, and now I'm stuck at home. And my podcast listening has gone from, like, probably five podcast episodes a day down to zero. Like, I haven't listened to anything in weeks. Um, nice. Partially because of quarantine, but also partially from working from home. It's been weird. Um, and so, like, I feel like I'm missing that big part of my life. And I can't really fit it into my schedule. Do you, like, I don't know. Have you uh, found that listening to podcasts is more difficult being quarantined? Uh, not particularly. I, pr- I definitely don't listen to as many as I was. But basically, anytime I go for a workout, that's really when the podcast comes uh, on. Because yeah. like every See, workout, problem. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't work out right now. <laughs> Although I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get back there. Right, but it's, it's kind of this whole quarantine thing has got me all. Uh, stir crazy so i'm trying to get more active i actually just i woke up this morning and i cleaned the whole house uh, there you so. go that's the way to fly <laughs> kind of crazy just break out your bench and your uh what is it your bowflex dumbbells and start crushing them yeah man they're, they're right here i should totally do it um i actually funny enough I, I was talking about workflow in your life the other day on the podcast uh and i was actually referencing that so i actually put my my bench and my dumbbells right where my coats and shoes used to be in the closet so that way like whenever i opened it to go get my clothes and shoes i'd see the bench and dumbbells and go ah you gotta work out (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I've basically done the same thing with some of my stuff because, like, uh, my we have a porch and my dog likes to play out there. So it's like every time I go out there now, I've actually got gym rings set up and hanging, and I try and take off the cover of my exercise bike. So it's like every time I'm out there, there's really no reason to like either do some sprints or do some pull ups or whatever. Um, same thing with like going to the fridge and back. I try and like leave a kettlebell ne- right near where I'm working in the house. So if I decide I'm going to go and have a random midday snack, which I seem to do every 30 seconds, I have to do like X amount of kettlebell swings or whatever, just to, just to like kind <laughs> of keep myself a little bit safe. Counteract it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we get into the news? Let's go. Right. This is the part of the show all about human factors news. This is where we talk about everything related to the field of human factors and not coronavirus. This could be anything from medical, not coronavirus, privacy, security, robots, artificial, whatever it is. As long as you, as long as it relates to the field of human factors and is not coronavirus, because we want some positive news here. Absolutely, uh, it is fair game. All right, Blake, we got two news stories up this week. What do we got up first? All right, up first, so we got Blackboard Inc., some of you may be familiar with from your college days. So it's a leading educational technology company for teaching, learning, and student engagement. And they've announced a strategic partnership with Beeline Reader, so a company that offers technology that makes reading on a screen easier for students of all ages and skill levels. So Beeline's Beeline Reader's patent technology actually adds color gradients to digital text to aid visual tracking and improve the reading ability and focus of its readers. So Beeline Reader is especially helpful for students with learning disabilities or ADHD or even vision loss, and it is now fully integrated as a standard feature within Blackboard's accessibility tool, the Blackboard Ally. So Beeline's reader technology enhances this visual focus and decreases the cognitive load that's associated with reading. So instead of using plain black text, the reader actually applies this subtle color gradient, which then wraps from one end of a line to the beginning as you read. So that helps pull a reader's eyes through the text, so enabling somebody to eat quickly read something and so this research back tool kind of exemplifies universal design principles as it helps readers of all skill levels read more efficiently but it's especially beneficial for english language readers and readers with adhd dyslexia or even other reading challenges so i fall into a couple of those categories but i don't know nick this was kind of a fun one for me because you know i'm a sucker for anything that's accessibility related and i'm sure right now from a kind of like just massive technology perspective for Blackboard, this company that's, I guess, integrated even at lower levels of schools now is probably dealing with a whole lot more traffic than it used to. And also now having to help, you know, students with disabilities or maybe, you know, ADHD or whatever it may be, figure out how to do their assignments much more at a distributed level. So hopefully these kinds of tools can help people get their work done at home. I love this story. It's so uplifting. Have you have you seen what an example of this looks like? I honestly have not. But I wish uh, that I I remember when I, I was reading this, I wish that I had this when I was in school. Especially uh, I'm when sending, I was young. Uh I'm sending you a a image right now. An image. Um I want you to look at this because I love this. I love this so much. This is so subtle. Uh and it is just I Really just wish this technology was integrated everywhere. Word documents, um, online articles, and everything. Because it really is just this subtle red and subtle blue hue at the end of a line, right? So, like, it's... 
imagine there's a line of text and at the very end of it it starts turning from black to red and then the next line down it starts with red goes to black uh and that way you're alternating from black at the end of one to blue to black to red to black to blue to black to red uh and it kind of alternates did you, did you see this picture here that i'm showing you yeah now uh, i see yeah, in fact, I'm actually going to post this in Slack as a as a great uh, kind of visual aid for this because I think this is this is so cool, man. I just I wish this was everywhere. This uh, like I tried actually reading this while you were reading the blurb. It is much like it was very quick to read, uh, and like I did not lose my place once. It's so intuitive. It's kind of crazy that this is not implemented in more places. I kind of want this to be a Chrome extension. It's got to be, right? It has to be because, I mean, it looks like on one of these pages, too, that they have from the article as well, you can actually change the gradient you're using. And so that'd be really, really easy to put in Chrome. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be, right? And and uh, I, I just love that it's integrating with Blackboard, which is a community for, uh, for learning. And uh, a lot of schools integrate with it. Um, and especially now, in a, in a time like this where a lot of people are remote, a lot of students can't go physically to campus, this is a good alternative for schools to get into, uh, you know, and I just, man, I love this story so much. I wonder um, if this would help me read the Human Factors Minutes faster. It could, potentially. I wonder if it would help read the blurbs faster, too. <laughs> well, that I don't know. Well, but- or not faster, but but more efficiently. You know? It could like, be, yeah, because I definitely like, get lost sometimes. I won't lie to everybody. Yeah, Blake Blake gets lost all the time, and it's it's okay. We love him. We love him very much for uh, reading the news stories because uh, he, he does something that I could never do. <laughs> <laughs> what, read? <laughs> you, no, you want to you hear me try to read one of these news stories? <laughs> Here, I will try to read the next news story, okay? And we'll see how many times I fumble. This will be good. All right? Yes. <laughs> but I'm So back to the – before we leave this too quickly – like I, as somebody who definitely struggled with dyslexia in school, this is really awesome. This is not just like a tool that you can use like while you're at school, but also when you're reading online, just cause I can only imagine like, especially let's say you have ADHD, maybe you're dyslexic and trying to figure out how to get all your assignments done or comprehend things would just be hard enough as it is. And if like tools like this can help correct some of that, or at least give you an aid so you can get through at least the readings that you have, maybe your comprehension goes up. That's pretty sweet. And I would love to see, because this mentioned, now a lot of people probably say this, I don't know where the pedigree of it is, but it talks about that this is a research-backed tool, so it would be awesome if they provide some of like their research they've done on like improvement or what you know visual cognition research they've used to kind of build this tool. Um, but I don't know, like Nick said, this is a great kind of uplifting story to start the podcast off with. There is indeed a Beeline Reader Chrome extension. Um, I am not sure whether or not it is free, uh, but we're going to try it out. So uh, anyway. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Anything else to add to this story before we move on? No, I think this is just awesome. Love accessibility stories. I love it too. And I, I figured you know we could all use a little bit of positive news. Thank you so much, Blake, for putting that in the stories this week. Uh, that was Blake's pick. Uh, so, so thank you. Thank you, Feedly for being awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to break down the other news story right after this. Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in Human Factors chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. 
You see, the Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends. And we're back, not mentioned, in the uh, the little Patreon commercial. It's Human Factors Minute. We like to plug this every chance we get because we still haven't gotten around to, uh, to uh, updating that commercial. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I told you this, Blake. This is a really fun story. Everybody's going to get a kick out of this. I told you this, Blake, but I, I didn't mention this on the show. So actually, the reason why we haven't been able to update our story, we actually went live with the new updates around March, and it should have been on us to get it changed sooner. However, um, due to many of the businesses, our voice talent that we got for the Patreon commercial is unavailable right now because there are so many businesses right now asking for voiceover for things like... Hey, unfortunately, our hours have changed uh, because of you know the pandemic or whatever. So, so that person is has a lot of work um, <laughs> right now, uh, which is good. Uh, the bad news is that they can't update the um, the Patreon commercial. But with that said, hey, Human Factors Minute is great. We plugged it at the top of the show. We really love it. We're really proud of it. Uh, I just do want to mention that in case you did mention it at the top or you didn't, you skipped over it at the top of the show or whatever. Uh, it is a really fun time. Uh, we do have like a, a year's worth of content already produced in the can. It's already uploaded to Patreon, ready to go. We don't even have to touch it. And we're always writing even more uh, news stories. Um, and speaking, or not news stories, more Human Factors Minute. Speaking of news stories, though, uh, the one that we just talked about, Beeline Reader. I actually just downloaded the, uh, during the break, I downloaded the um, the Chrome extension. And uh, now I have it on our show notes, Blake, so I can literally read this next news story using this uh, this Beeline reader, and yes. we're going to see how it goes. And and we're, we're just going to see. All right? Here we go. All right. So uh, this next news story. I don't know how you normally do this, Blake. It's weird. Machine translation of cortical activity to text with an encoder-decoder framework. I said this was a mouthful at the top, so we're going to break it down here. A decade after speech was decoded, was first decoded from human brain signals, accuracy and speed remain far below that of natural speech. Here, we show how to decode the electrocortogram with high accuracy and at natural speech rates. Speech rates. See, I'm already messing up. This is your job, Blake. Well, this is like the from nature, so this is a, a lot harder than most things we get. But we're going to break it down. Uh, taking a cue from recent advances in machine translation, we train a recurrent neural network to encode each sentence length sequence of neural activity into abstract representation and then to decode this representation word by word into an English sentence. For each participant, data consists of several spoken repeats of a set of 30 to 50 sentences, along with the contemporaneous signals from roughly 250 electrodes distributed over the perisylvian cortices. Did you do this intentionally, Blake? Did you, like, throw... <laughs> Average word error rates across a held-out repeat set are as low as 3%. 
Finally, we show how decoding with limited data can be improved with transfer learning by transferring by training certain layers of the network under multiple participants' data. Okay. The most intense abstract there could be from none other than nature neuroscience. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty tough one, right? Hold but, on. So that's that's a lot of, of jumble there in our blurb. Um let's let's layman's terms that out basically they're able to make machines um do voice to speech right that's that's what we're talking about here yeah that's the big big takeaway now machines are a little bit more precise reading our own kind of neural networks and then translating that into sentences or in this case text which is cool that's very cool um, it's all, it's on the borderline of being unbelievable. It's in nature. Uh, if if that gives you any indication of how big this is, um, so let's talk about the implications for a minute here because that's that's what's exciting to me, right? So they are taking the brain signals of these people that are producing speech, uh, and they are transcribing that those brain sc- signals into sentences that map to what they are saying. Um, and this is insane because, uh, this first sample here, uh, is actually done with people speaking out loud, but they're still capturing brain signals, right? And so, so maybe someday this could be applied to people who have speech impediments or who can't speak at all, um, and potentially offer a, uh, a different way to communicate with the world just by thinking about it, um, also, think about the application of, of uh, human-computer interaction. If you can think something up faster than you can say it or type it, uh, and you're plugged into a machine that's reading your brain, you might be able to do a Google search uh, in like no next to no time, like fractions of a second, if you think that thought pattern. Um, as long as you're thinking to speak it, I don't know. Also, think about the other application. We can transcribe our shows now. Absolutely, yeah. We don't even have to do anything. We just, you know, talk the whole time, and then we get a transcription free of charge. Well, yeah, got to pay for the device, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, two hundred fifty elo- uh, electrodes distributed over perisylvian cortices. I can do that. That's no big deal. Yeah. All right. All right. Just get a car battery. It'll be fine. Okay, uh, Blake. What What are your takeaways with this one? What are your thoughts on this? This is kind of crazy. It is pretty nuts. So the best part about it is I think, so in terms of the application that you brought up, I know that we've talked about stories on the podcast before that we're dealing with kind of understanding people's, like at a neuronal level, understanding what people are thinking and then translating that into thoughts for them. And we, I know we had seen this like in, in hospital settings uh, with like speech therapy problems and things like that. So I can't exactly remember the story for it. So this sounds a little bit more familiar than I originally thought it did, but in terms of like transfer of knowledge, right? How is this useful for the everyday kind of person? I could almost imagine this being a much better way to type emails, to write your, write your thoughts down, get your to-do list out. It just could be a streamlined way of no longer, you're no longer typing. You're no longer you know, trying to write something physically, you can just think things and you'd be able to communicate with your phone, with the internet, whatever it would be. 
I feel like this is one of those types of findings and technology implications that is like a stepping stone into getting us kind of that that extra set of RAM for your brain, if you will. Maybe you can start offloading, you know, thoughts that you have and revisiting them later without worrying about the capacity or limitations that your memory has. So that kind of stuff, even though this is only taking, and when I say only, I mean incredibly, taking you know, your thoughts and then transcribing them into text. I think that's a stepping stone of being able to store it somewhere or being able to store it in a different format or like Nick kind of, you were implying almost being able to communicate with a computer at a neuronal level, not so much as like a input and output. Yeah. Or a conversational level that, that, uh, you know, the computer can understand. Um, now, Now think about this. This is kind of basic, right? In terms of taking a thought process, transcribing that into words. I think even farther in the future here where you have sort of, um, I I don't know about you, Blake, but I have kind of two modes. I have like a professional mode when I send professional emails and professional correspondence. Uh, And then I have like a personable uh, type of uh, personality where it's less formal. I don't use capitalization. I say, ha ha ha. Uh, And, you know, I make jokes. Um, like to you, I text you weird things too sometimes, uh, like clips of you messing up Human Factors Minute. <laughs> there you go. Yes, but but my not point just with this me, is, but me and my office made. So yes, just to clarify, but, but but let's let me get to the point here is that I have two different modes, and now if I can transcribe and apply a layer of like artificial intelligent massaging on top of that, where like, hey, I'm gonna just spit out this thought. But I want you to put it in like a um, a well thought together email, you know, that uh, that still has like the gist of what I'm I'm coming up with, right? Like, uh, like like let's let's just say, let's just say in my head, I say something like, ah, this person, but I, instead of person. I said, right, that's that's the algorithm acting right there. This expletive here, once, you know, something, uh, you know, blah, 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 from blah, 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 and you want it by this time. And, you know, my, the algorithm would take my text that I just thought in my head and say, <clears throat> to be clear, so-and-so, you are asking for blah, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, make it coherent and, like, in a style that I would do. Like, I don't know if you've seen that predictive text in uh, Gmail or, um, you know, like on your phone or whatever, but they tend to pick up words that you use. And like, I don't know about you, but I've definitely started typing a sentence and like two two words in, uh, it comes up with the whole rest of the sentence as if I was going to say it. I'm like, that's exactly what I was going to type. Oh, yeah. So I just, you know, confirm it. And so, you know, it wouldn't be that, or, or I guess that's kind of the next step is adding that level of pass on the things uh, that you start to think out loud and and uh, write down, transcribe. Yeah, it's like it's kind of almost be like if the machine itself could actively be coming with you, let's say, and it knows during these hours you are in professional mode or with what device you're interacting with and it's reading your right. thoughts from. It knows what how to respond to things. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's like a whole different level of taking this to a new place, but I really like where your head's at because, like, I'm, I think in a lot of ways the Google, the Gmail kind of translation or, like, ca- 
capitalize on, capitalizing on the fact that you send so many emails, I can come up with the vernacular to match you a little bit better. Because I've definitely seen that too. I've seen it like outline basically an entire email for me after me typing one word or two words. Um, and that's it's it's pretty insane. So something like this, I mean, it's it's even a step further, right? Where you're, you're thinking it, you're not actually giving the computer any direct manipulation or information. It's more just coming straight from your brain. God, it's, that's just just too crazy to think about. But you know that can't be that far away. Like we're we're in the world of autonomous cars, so why can't we have the reading your mind stuff? Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of crazy. Um, I, I I'm really excited for what this means. Uh, very excited that it's in nature. That's very promising. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where the future goes. Like I said, we're trying to pick those optimistic, uplifting stories. Absolutely, yeah. This is so cool. That this is in nature because this is so much like a gap, like bridging a gap between basically your consciousness and technology. So the closer we get there, the more interesting it is to me. Yeah, job security for both of us. Um, well, actually, I probably shouldn't have said that because the the Reddit this week is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of Reddit, it came from. It came from. Let's switch gears and get into It Came From Reddit. This is the part of the show where we search all over Reddit to bring you topics the community's talking about. Since I stole Blake's thunder with reading that last story, I'm going to have him read this one oh, here we for go. us this week. It's, it's, a weird, it's a weird, interesting switch-up week. Yeah, it's definitely a different change. All right, <laughs> so this is coming from the user experience subreddit. How many of these do you want to do, Nick? Uh, let's do one of them. All right, so let's do one. I'm going to do, do the, the top one. Yeah, I'm going to do the one that's most topical right now because I feel like a lot of people are dealing with it, and I've just had this conversation with somebody recently. Okay, so this is from the user experience subreddit by user, I don't know how you do this every week, AKShayXD. I don't know if there that's any other way you would say it. Um, okay, so he, he or she writes, just got laid off. Any tips for getting back into the workforce during these times? So my company decided to lay off 25% of the workforce, including some user experience designers. Is there anything you guys can recommend to help build skills and knowledge to help stand out from the competition when applying for new roles? I was working for a year as a junior UX designer and was looking to start moving onto a role as a UX designer. Thank you. And this is uh, this is definitely topical for everybody who may be in this situation or is worried about job security or anything like that. So, Nick, what do you think? I'll toss this over to you first. Yeah, this is really unfortunate. Um, I know a lot of people are losing their jobs, unfortunately, right now due to everything that's going on. We're not going to end on a downer. Don't worry. Um, things happen. And... Uh, it's easy for us to sit here, both of us have jobs, and to say to do this, that, the other thing. Um, we will all get through this together uh, as as a human race. We will get through this, right? Like, um, But in terms of getting back out into the job force, looking for a job right now, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's going to be difficult. Um, not a whole lot of companies are looking for work right now, especially with you know having to cut um, many positions to sort of uh, counteract the losses that they're experiencing in other areas. Um, that being said, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for you to develop your skills if you happen to find yourself in this situation. If you happen to find yourself in perhaps the situation where you're planning to graduate this year and we're planning to get out into the job market and there's a lot of uncertainty right now of, are you going to graduate? Hopefully the school will be understanding. Hopefully there's a way around it that you can. Um, 
but then it's it's a scary world. You don't have school to go back to. You have to move on into the job market, and that's a weird place for a lot of people. I I remember when I was at that point, like I was like, well, what am I going to do? I don't know. Um, and so it's not just the people who are losing their jobs. It's the people who are entering the job market. There's a lot of unfamiliarity right now with what's going on and how to best combat it. However, my point with all this, we're in a great spot right now. Uh, there are a ton of resources available online um, to help learn skills, to help learn, um, to help kind of bolster your resume, to uh, help with potentially making you a more um, uh, hireable candidate than someone else in your peer group. Um, you know, so I would say go out, look for resources. And it's all about the spin that you put on your stuff. If you can get the interview, that's half the battle. Um, you know, I think if you get in to an interview, as long as you're comfortable talking about the stuff that you've worked on, as long as you can communicate in an intelligible way, not like I'm doing on this show right now, but, <laughs> but I think you'll be okay, right? It's just a matter of um, convincing, the, you know, do your research, do your due diligence, Getting the interview is the hardest part, and it's going to be doubly hard right now, uh, especially with companies kind of locking up and not really taking new applicants. Um, it does kind of depend on the company. I would also kind of do some research uh, as a UX person or even as a human factors person, especially as a human factors person, look into the industries right now that need help the most. Those are where you're going to have the most success. I hear the healthcare field right now especially need some extra hands. That might be a good place to look. Even if it's not your bread and butter, it might be a great place to jump into, get some experience, and take that application once everything kind of cools down and move on to something else. Um, that's just my two cents. What are you thinking, Blake? So I think there's a lot of things you can be doing right now, and I am very sympathetic to this and feel very fortunate that I have both the jobs that I have and we're able to continue to work through all of this. Um, so it's, it's tough for a lot of people that I know. And so here's kind of my strategy I just gave earlier today. So now is the time to be networking. Now I'm going to go ahead and answer the question for you. How in the hell am I supposed to be networking right now when I can't go outside? I can hardly leave my apartment or my house, whatever. Get on LinkedIn and start kind of paying attention to, you know, pertinent hashtags to your field. If it's human factors, look for HF stuff. If it's UX design, look for UX design stuff. And you will see a slew of people in your same situation or those that are posting jobs that are willing to try and either help with resumes, help you with your portfolio, review your content, um, or even job job postings that are coming out. Because although I know a lot of companies are not hiring, applications are being freezed for a lot of companies too, I have seen at least five a day posts of recruiters that I know that are looking for remote UX designers or UX researchers. So there is, there is opportunity out there. Doesn't mean that you're going to get the interview. Doesn't mean that you'll move forward with it, but you can at least try, get the experience, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're a UX designer, I really encourage you to start you know, free services like Daily UI, where you can sign up, get UI challenges every day and start adding that to your portfolio. Better yet, if you have access to the internet, a computer and a webcam, talk through your design process on things like YouTube or Twitch 
or Instagram Live, whatever it may be, because you really, although like I know things are tough, figuring out how to how you're gonna live for the next few weeks versus months is hard to you know stomach on your own. But creating content around your craft can help you one better understand kind of where you're. Uh, lacking right now and where you can build more skills, but it also kind of gives you uh, a start of creating your own personal brand. So just building yourself up, being able, being confident in how you present yourself. And that can translate into, you know, sitting in interviews, whatever it may be. The other thing that I really encourage people to be looking out for or to be creating on their own, if it doesn't exist in your city as I know a lot of local meetups, um, for us, that's, uh, or for me personally that I know of, it's UXPALA. Um, I'm pretty sure that the Speakeasy group here in San Diego are doing the same thing. But a lot of these meetup groups that are related to UX, they're doing, um, what do you call it, like Zoom events and trying to still, you know, get the community talking to each other and networking. So going through and, again, trying to expand your network and taking advantage of this time to really create content, meet new people and figure out kind of what your way forward would be. And like Nick said, if you can, if you really are interested in the medical field, it's a great place to try and go cut your teeth in, um, even at a junior level. So those are just a few things you can try and do. Um, and just as you best you can stay positive through all of it. Yeah. Those are some great suggestions, subject suggestion. Wow. I can't even start your own brand people mess up on a podcast every week and, and you'll get a brand. Uh, I will say one other thing that I should have mentioned at the top of the show, actually, and I will probably mention it at the top of the show next week. Um, Blake mentioned uh, networking. And I want to say, you know, that the HFES Healthcare Symposium actually did get pushed to a virtual format, and it's actually going to happen May 18th through, 20, through the 21st. Um, so you can sign up for that now. Um, I know that's going to be a, I know they're planning to do this virtually. I don't know, uh, exactly how they're going to pull this off virtually, whether or not there's going to be networking opportunities. I would imagine so if there's going to be, uh, you know, chat rooms out there and everything like that, uh, get out there, um, get to some of these virtual, I, I feel like networking has probably never been easier, uh, than just sending a chat message to somebody else in a zoom chat, you know, and saying, Hey, I, I really like the point that you made about X, you know, and I would like to chat more about it. Give me a call. Um, you know, and you can do that all from the comfort of your own home. Um, so check it out. Uh, I, I figured I'd throw that in there. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to be it for this week, folks. I, like I said, we're trying to go for these little shorter episodes, but we still managed to go 45 minutes this week. Um, yeah, but that's going to be it for today, everyone. Uh, let us know what you guys think of the news stories this week. Again, we're trying to, uh, you know, do some uh, more positive things uh, <laughs> instead of focusing on the pandemic itself. Um, you can join the discussion on our Slack or follow us on any of our social media channels at H Factors Podcast. If you want to send us an email directly, you can do that at show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, want to support the show, you can leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice or consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we are very excited about Human Factors Minute. Um, but I think more importantly, and I didn't mention this last week, if you are, uh, if you do have money, um, we're not asking for it over somebody else in need. Please donate to uh, any other thing before us. Um, you know, we're happy to take your money after you've donated to the cause to, to help with this pandemic relief. Um, so, so please, please, please 
uh, go look out there. There's plenty of resources for helping with what's going on right now. I think all of us want to get back to normal. Uh, and the more resources we have available, the quicker we can do that. Um, anyway, that was a quick detour. Of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. I want to thank Mr. Blake Arnsdorf for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about transcribing your thoughts? If you guys want to talk about transcribing your thoughts or my thoughts or our thoughts, you can find me across social media, Don't Panic UX, or anytime in the Slack. I think my handle is at Blake. And if you've made it this far through the end of the show and you're still listening to this, if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, you can find me there also through Blake Arnsdorf or Don't Panic UX. I'll be happy to review anybody's resumes or take a look at your design portfolio Um, Because that is something I do as part of one of my jobs, and I'm happy to kind of offer that up to people in in a time of need. Um, I'll just caveat it with I am much more in tune with what's going on in the UX world than I am a human factors center world, but I can still help out either way and be glad to take my time or connect you with people that I know. Uh, That's all I got. Yeah, same for me. You can do all that with me too. Uh, Do reach out to me in Slack first before you do it because I don't just accept anyone on LinkedIn. you can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. And like Blake said, the, the Slack channel is always a great place to reach us. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. Yeah. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft. These are all examples of highly technical systems and organizations. And all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.